You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show. With Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show is for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about... Josh? Wait. Wait for it. <laughs> it's Jeeps, of course. <laughs> to Jeeps. <laughs> hey, I'm Tony, and I can sleep. See, I can sleep. I can see clearly now, even during the day. Yeah, you blinded me with that picture you sent me. Good Lord. We're, we're going to get into what he's I talking about a little lights. bit later in the show. <laughs> But, uh, hey, Jeeper, I'm Josh, and the only thing I like more than food is being outdoors in the Jeep. Oh, how about food outdoor in the Jeep? Oh, that's a hard combination Barbecue. Barbecue in the Jeep, outdoors, just lovely. There's the tent to go take a nap once you get the food coming. Josh, what's coming up on this episode? Well, Tony, glad you asked. The man, the legend, the teacher himself, Don from the Jeep 4x4 school, is here to take us to class. This week in Jeep, we're going to find out if it was all due to the Jeep or sheer willpower that saved this couple's life. And we're going to hear about a certain red Jeep that is saving the lives of pets in one U.S. city. Tammy is out this week, so Wrangler Talk will return on the next episode. Nikki G is here. He pulls the tinfoil back, and we were not prepared. Trust us. And there's a whole bunch more show coming around, so stick around. We're never prepared for Nikki G, but it's always fun. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is, of course, brought to you by Amazon.com. If you're looking for a way to support the show, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and press the big Amazon button there. You're going to be taken to the magical land of Amazon's online shopping. And while there, anything you purchase will give the show up just a few cents while costing you absolutely nothing more. If you like what you hear or have gotten any benefit from what we're doing, well, then please consider giving back. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and look for the big Amazon button. Hey, and thanks in advance. Well, what was once somebody's daily driver is now basically a billboard on wheels. The uh, red 2000 Jeep Cherokee Sport has a conservative 107,000 miles on it. Not a whole lot. I know, right? Not, Not a whole lot for most of us. But the gas gauge and the air conditioner are both broken, and the suspension and tires really aren't what they used to be. Well, so what a lot of people would say. But this Jeep is not headed for the trails. This Jeep is on a mission to make a difference this summer. Kim Wolsifer, Deputy Chief of Enforcement Operations with Indy Animal Care Services, says if you're thinking it's way too hot, don't even try it. Just leave your animal at home. Nearly every window of this Jeep is covered with a summer safety message for pet owners. On each side of the Jeep, there are pictures of dogs and a thermometer. There are also instructions on what to do if you see an animal in a car on a hot day. It's definitely a sense of urgency for us, said Wolfsiffer. Already this year, including just this past weekend, dozens of people have called in officer, called officers with Indy Animal Care Services to report pets being left in hot cars. It's a juggle between whether or not we need to break your window to get the animal out and save their life or not, said Wolsifer. Instead of taking this Jeep to the junkyard, the previous owner donated it and is now spending it now it is spending its life taking a drive to city parks. The Jeep will stay at each city park for a few days for the sake of exposure, no pun intended, uh, before <laughs> moving on to the next city park. The goal is to get uh, people's attention and get them to realize it doesn't take long for a vehicle to become a dangerous place for a pet on a sunny day. 
we want to make sure people, uh, we want to make sure we are saving the animals. Don't let them stay in your car whether or not the windows are cracked. If you leave water in the car, AC running, whatever. It's a bad deal. It's way, it can get way too hot in there, said Deputy Wolsifer. For example, there's a thermometer hanging in the Jeep's windshield. When news cameras were there, it was just 89 degrees outside. Not too terribly hot, but certainly a warm day. Inside the Jeep, however, the thermometer showed it was more than 120 degrees. If it's too hot for you, it's definitely too hot for your animals. Don't leave your kids in the car, obviously, and you don't <laughs> leave your animals in the car either, said Wolsifer. Another reminder is that if the sidewalk is too hot to stand on in your bare feet, then it's too hot for the pads on your pet's feet, too. Keep that in mind when you and man's best friend go for a summer stroll around the park this summer. Better to save the dog walks for early morning before the sun comes up and late evening well after the sun goes down. The shelter's mascot, Maxwell, will sit shotgun as this beat-up Jeep starts its summer mission to help keep pets safe. If it saves just one pet's life, then yes, it was totally worth it, said Wolsifer. Later this week, the Jeep will start making its rounds to various city parks around the Indianapolis city metro area. If you see an animal in distress inside of a hot vehicle, regardless of what city you're in, please call 911 and give dispatchers specific details to help responding officers. I don't know about you, but I'd feel really strange calling 911 about a, a dog being trapped in a vehicle. I mean, the dog is definitely worth it. it. Just I would just feel awkward about, you know, what's your emergency? Well, there's this dog and he may be in trouble. It just, you know... It's just kind of hard for me to, uh, you know, I, I hate bothering the police for anything anyway, uh, but uh, that, that would just be uh, really hard to do. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, Josh, because I know you shun social media, but there's a, a great picture of a pit bull inside of a vehicle, window rolled up, and there's a sign on the window and it says, please don't break my glass. The AC is on and he's listening to Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> So do you quick save him from the music? I was going to say, do you no. break it for the because of him overheating or because of what the song who they're playing yeah. the the music from? <laughs> I like Nickelback. I don't know what the deal. That's nah, not too bad. Not too bad. Well, was it the Jeep itself or sheer willpower that saved their lives? A married couple who rented a cabin for a long weekend retreat were severely injured after they drove their Jeep off a cliff in the remote mountain wilderness near Payson, Arizona. Chanel Bates said she and her husband, Matthew Kanowski, arrived in, a, in Young, a community north of Lake Roosevelt in the Tonto National Forest, Thursday evening. They were there with their dog for a relaxing weekend getaway. Needing the supplies, the couple took their Jeep north on for, Forest Service Road 512 to State Route 260 and made their way to Star Valley to shop. It was late when they began their return trip back down Forest Service 512. That's when the trip took a turn for the worse. According to Bates, her husband was driving down the dark dirt road when he looked away for a split second. The next thing she remembers is tumbling down a cliff. They fell over 80 feet down a steep incline, the Jeep coming to rest down the side of the hill. She says, I've had that dream since I was a little girl, falling off of a cliff like that. And when it started to happen, I couldn't tell if it was real. I thought I was dreaming again, said Bates. Chanel had briefly passed out after the fall. When she awoke, she realized that she was still trapped in the Jeep. Her husband had been thrown clear of the vehicle. Oh, no. She crawled through the windshield and found her husband, whose injuries were, let's just say, apparent. Miraculously, they were, however, both alive. Together, they struggled up the side of the mountain, back to the road, but they were still a couple miles from Young, and the wife didn't have any shoes on. After walking for two hours across rocky terrain, they found an occupied cabin where somebody could get, get some help for them. Emergency crews arrived, and, when, and, and upon arriving, they were both airlifted to a Scottsdale hospital for treatment. 
Bates was discharged from the hospital Saturday after a couple-day stay in the hospital. Kanowski appears to have a longer road to recovery ahead of him. His jaw was severely broken during the accident. Both his cheekbones had multiple fractures, and he has several broken ribs. His face is currently wired shut. However, he's able to walk around under his own power, and he can communicate with notes. There was something watching over us for us to be able to go through that, what we went through, and make it out alive. It's beyond belief, Bates said. And if you take a look at the pictures, you'll likely agree. We'll have the images on our website if you're interested in checking them out for yourself. I don't know about you, Josh, but uh, after an ordeal like that and somebody would say, how did you survive? I'd say, luckily, my face broke my fall. Yeah. <laughs> in this kind of in this instance, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, I was going to include the pictures of, of the gentleman's injuries, but they were quite graphic. And I, I think for the for the sake of, uh, of privacy and and. Well, for those who are maybe a little more squeamish, we're going to go ahead and leave those out. The Jeep pictures, however, will be up, and uh, and boy, those are something to look at. You can kind of see for yourself just uh, how extreme the situation was. It's, it's so sad. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so glad that they, they survived it, but it's so sad for the Jeep. It's a, a beautiful oh, no, it's a JKU total. Rubicon. And yeah, total loss, you just, without a doubt. And you know what? <clears throat> I'll just take this opportunity to say um, light bars. Might have helped in this situation. Uh, somebody would have seen the cliff coming. <laughs> it may not have been the may not have been the driver, but the wife certainly oh, would have Tony. seen it. <laughs> well, no, I'm serious. Else. You need to be able to see where you're going. You got a capable vehicle, but if you're going to go off a cliff, it'd be nice to stop before you got there, and you need to be able to see it. Now, I will say this: they do have an auxiliary light mounted on the hood. It's, looks it looks perfectly like a, well. I mean, perfectly fine after all the <laughs> after yeah. all the turmoil, too. <laughs> looks like to be about a maybe a seventeen inch light bar, yeah. maybe a four, thirteen or fourteen inch light bar, or something like that, um, mounted on the um, uh, middle maybe, of the hood. Yeah, yeah, mounted on the hood. There's some brackets there, or whatever. That light right there might have actually caused them more problems than anything, and, yeah. and the reason why is because of glare. You're going to have more light bouncing off of the hood of that Jeep than you are going. That's going to be casted down the down the down the trail. There's going to be so much light coming off of the hood of that Jeep, especially if it's been waxed. You know, if, if it's shiny or, or whatever, a little bit of a you know a, a dust level or you know some flat black paint, some bed line or something like that would certainly diminish that a little bit. But this Jeep didn't have any of that, and so I'm wondering if maybe they did have some auxiliary lighting going, but it was actually an hindrance. Right. Uh, during the conditions, uh, you know, too much glare, not enough visibility on the trail. Maybe there was some dust as well. You know, I don't know. Um, certainly an interesting story. I'm glad they're alive. But Very yeah, man, so. what a what a harrowing uh, incident they had to go through. Well, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, or maybe you have a story you'd like to share with us, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we have an interview with Don Alexander, author and off-road instructor. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, we're going to teach you how to extend the range of your alarm or keyless entry remote. Oh, that's cool. I like that. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. You know, we're always asking you to go check out the 4x4 Radio Network, and, uh, well, just for good reason. We're, we always got a ton of great content that we're putting out over there. Um, there's a bunch of shows there besides ours, and we got something for, well, pretty much whatever your friends drive. Uh, whatever they have going on, we got the 4x4radionetwork.com putting out great content. It's all off-road related. On the Trail Podcast, Trail Chasers, Center Steer Podcast. 
Dan and the 4x4 podcast is putting out some great stuff as well, and we're there even as well. So it's all for free. It's all at 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. And we recently received a review on our Facebook page. You can uh, check out our Facebook page. Just uh, look for facebook.com slash Jeep Talk Show, and uh, you could do a review over there as well. So Travis E. gave us a, a review. It said, a show built by Jeeps about Jeeps, very entertaining, educational, and funny. I especially like the funny part, Josh, because they're talking about me. No, we me. try. We try. We're talk- talk- I said they're talking about me. <laughs> Although your laugh is kind of infectious. I, I, I always get a, uh, a big smile whenever I say something that gets you, get I you like, going. I, I do love laughing. <laughs> Travis, thank you very much for taking the time to give us a review. And uh, everybody should go over there and give us a review. Good or bad, we're gonna, you're going to hear it right here on the show. Hey, G-Talk Show. It's Nate. I'm a little behind. I'm listening to episode 389. And uh, I just felt the need to call in after hearing about your uh, – bootleg or suspected bootleg Jeep Talk Show stickers that somebody had purchased online, which, by the way, it's very ironic that it turned out that you sold them the sticker, Tony. Anyway, um, I thought it was really, really funny, and yes, I noticed, how your brain immediately went to, boy, I wonder if Nate's selling these online. Come on, Tony. Now, admittedly, I do sell some things online for my own brand, I don't sell bootleg Jeep Talk Show stickers, uh, so if anybody wants to check them out, feel free. But uh, you will not find any uh, anybody else's merchandise on my Teespring shop. So, uh, yeah, I guess um, thanks for the mention. Uh, right, so keep up the great work, Josh and Tammy. Tony, you're on my blacklist. You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. <laughs> as always, as always, Josh. As always, Nate. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> hey, speaking of the, the the selling stuff on the web store, and and come to find out, we sell stickers there too. You yeah, could have thunk. <laughs> he would have thunk it. We'd have to talk to the guy that set it all up. <laughs> you can just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and uh, look, uh, just scroll down there. You'll see all the different things that you can do from uh, the jeeptalkshow.com website, including going to our store with uh, bacon salt thongs and uh, bane no, masks. Oh, no, no. <laughs> but we do have shorts and tank tops and T-shirts and yoga pants and hoodies oh, yeah, there are and yoga cup pants. holders and cell phone cases and, and stickers. Pretty much all the swag you could possibly shake a stick at. And there's stickers. <laughs> and there are stickers, yes. They're not bootleg. <laughs> they are genuine. Authentic, even. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I just, I... It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Giant parking lots at a mall or stadium can be a maze of confusion, frustration, and just where the hell did I park anyways? You know your vehicle is around there somewhere. But with the thousands of others parked in the lot, it can be easy to lose track of where you parked unless you, well, I don't know, unless they have a 12-inch lift and a 10-foot flagpole sporting old glory to point the way. Or you're telepathic. Regardless of how unique your Jeep is or where you're at with your mental superpowers, sometimes you can't remember exactly where you parked. Or maybe you're just driving a different vehicle and it gets lost in the crowd easily. No worries. All you need to do is use your head. I know it sounds cliche, but I'm not talking about doing memory exercises or starting a ginkgo biloba routine. I'm talking about actually using your skull. Now, it's been proven scientifically that the cavity of the human skull is great at amplifying radio signals. 
I've been doing this for years, not amplifying radio signals with random human skulls, but my own, in fact. And every time somebody sees me do this one simple little trick, I get funny looks. But hey, it works 99.9% of the time, regardless of the vehicle or device manufacturer. Simply put the key fob under your chin. Yep, that's it. Instead of trying to point the remote out at the parking lot, point it up at the soft tissue under your chin. Directly behind the chin is some soft tissue that is the start of your neck and the end of your chin, basically the area directly under where your tongue is at. This soft tissue is an opening to the amplifier that is our head. Once the remote is uh, firmly placed underneath your chin, you press the lock or unlock button on the remote and keep an eye out for your vehicle's flashing lights, a horn honk, beep, or whatever it is that your vehicle does when the button is pressed. The radio waves from the key fob are harmlessly transmitted through your skin and muscle tissue to bounce around the inside of your skull before being beamed outward through your face with more amplitude than they had when it went in. And I know this is going to sound even weirder, but if you open your mouth, it actually helps. Okay, so it's not quite telepathy, but it is an effective way to locate your vehicle among many others and is a great way to get weird looks from complete strangers who don't know the first thing about amplifying radio waves with your skull. So uh, I've heard about this before. I've even tried it, but there's one thing that you didn't mention that will actually work, uh, help it work a little better. Shaved head. No, uh, just saying the word, uh, or you know, like the monks do, oh, oh, for sake. Well, if you think about it, it makes sense because uh, ham radio operators know about Holmes' law. So this just helps put electronics into the whole thing, as you can see. <laughs> if I was closer, I would cut you. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was that was really bad. Here, I'll, I'll fix it. <laughs> oh, boy. But no, really, uh, legitimately, folks, I'm not trying to make a funny here. Um, and, and yes, this is something that is going to look funny. It's going to feel funny. Not like it's going to give you funny feelings. It's going to feel <laughs> odd doing something that you've never done before. Uh, but no, this genuinely works and has worked for decades. I mean, when I used to work in the automotive electric, electric uh, electronics field, um, technology was far different than it is nowadays. And in even that older technology, this benefited from and just the same amount that today's technology does. So whether you're driving a 2019 JL or whether you have a, re- a, a keyless entry on your 78 Duster, um, you know, it, it's going to work the same and it's going to benefit uh, whether you're, you know, inside the house and it just can't quite arm that alarm before bed or whether you're just coming out of the mall and can't find where you park. You know, it's right out. It's, yeah, it's been some time uh, since I read this, but uh, uh, a number of years ago, NASA was actually uh, doing uh, a capacitive coupling between uh, the antenna in the device and the the human body to amplify the, the basically make it a bigger antenna for mm-hmm. for transmission and reception. So yeah, this is very much it. And, and 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 you're old enough to remember this, Josh, where you go over there and you adjust the rabbit ears on the television. Oh yeah. And you can get a perfect picture, but only if you stood in a certain spot and were holding yep. on to the antenna. You let it Left go, it goes out, to crap. And you got tinfoil in your right hand. <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah. So that's that capacitive coupling. So it's absolutely true. And uh, I'm sure you guys have experienced it in one way or another. You've probably seen uh, seen somebody walking through the parking lot with a remote up to their chin or something like that. I'm, th- this has been around for a long time. And if, if you doubt me at all, by all means, go do some research. There are some great videos online, uh, like on YouTube or whatever, um, that actually explain the science behind this in, in very easy to understand terms. So um, if you're curious about it, uh, teach yourself a little something about this. It's actually kind of fun. 
Well, if you have anything to add or maybe you have a question for Tech Talk or something you'd like for us to address to address here, I'll just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Let us know what you would like us to cover. Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? I think you have to keep that rig at the moment. Now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you got Dana 60s and 40. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you know, you can use them with them, with them super swampers. And if you're tired of all that other stuff. Uh, and a thing with the tech, big old tires and the lighter. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show. Available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. You guys are getting to give me a beer. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. With us tonight is a very special guest. He, last time he was on the show was clear back on episode 333, so it's been quite a while since Don Alexander has been with us. Don is the author of two Jeep books, Jeep JK Performance Modifications, which currently is available from SA Designs and upcoming Jeep Wrangler YJ Modifications, which will be available this fall. Definitely looking forward to that. Don also operated the Jeep 4x4 school in Big Bear Lake, California. Don's involvement in off-roading really began after spending over 50 years competing in a wide variety of motorsports, mostly racing with SCCA, IMSA, and NASA. He also holds the diesel pickup truck land speed record at Bonneville, driving the bank Sidewinder Dodge Dakota to a record speed of 222 miles per hour. Not exactly what I would call safe Cherokee speeds, but Don... <laughs> Thanks again for joining us, and let's go ahead and talk a little bit about, really quickly, what 222 miles per hour is like on the salt flats. You know, it's, it was actually great fun, and, and thank you guys for having me. Uh, you guys always do a great job, so it's a pleasure. Yeah, 222 miles an hour at Bonneville, it's, you know, a lot of people say, are you out of your mind? But no, you know, it's, it, that was a dream of mine, and Gail Banks gave me the opportunity to do it. Uh, I got in the 200-mile-an-hour club because we set a whole bunch of records, and uh, actually, the records we, the record we broke was 159 miles an hour, so we substantially increased the the uh, speeds. But it was great fun. Uh, one funny story about that 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 uh, was pretty pretty entertaining. Uh, we were making our last FIA record run, and it was real early in the morning, and we were the only vehicle uh, on that course for a record backup run. And I was being followed down the course by one of the officials. We get to the other end of that run, and the guy, uh, the, the guy following me, was about a mile behind me. He said, "Boy, you got really sideways on that run." And I said, oh, "It wasn't too big a deal." And he said, "I was a mile behind you, and I could. It was a red pickup truck with a big white Cummins on the rear quarter panel." And he said, "I could clearly read the Cummins on the quarter panel for a mile away." <laughs> and and I said, "Well, okay." And afterwards, um, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I had missed a shift. Uh, which isn't the best thing for a driver to admit to, but I missed a shift and overread the engine when I let the clutch out and got, got it in gear again. And it had, the engine made so much power that it just, and the salt doesn't have that great attraction. It just went a little sideways. We get back to the, uh, the pit area and an hour or so later, the engineer comes over with the data acquisition. And I knew I had corrected maybe five degree uh, correction on the steering wheel but he said, you lifted the, off the throttle at 50% for about a tenth of a second, and you were back on full power. So it straightened right out. So interestingly, when you're not rock crawling, 
and I've I've had a couple of, of newbies recently um, on really difficult black diamond trails, even on their, only their second day of wheeling. And these are people that have a lot of racing experience, and they've gone you know 180 miles an hour, and they're totally freaking out at three miles an hour sliding on slipping off rocks and <laughs> climbing up big rocks. And I said, you know, the difference is you don't have time to think about it at 180 miles an hour, even 100 miles an hour, because everything's happening so fast. You're just reacting to it. Here, you've got plenty of time to think how terrifying it can be. <laughs> so, yeah, very true. Understood it at that point, yeah, so. I, I've never done 200 miles an hour, but uh, I've, I've certainly done 130 uh, just uh, wheeling around in my early days. And I, I know exactly what you mean. You, you, uh, for myself, anyway, uh, I'm not scared when it's happening. It's afterwards, and I think about what could have happened and I, that, that when it hits me. It didn't really scare me. I just go, up. Oh, I made it. Of course, I was always of the mindset somebody else was going to die. I never was going to. Well, of course. <laughs> and the younger you are, the more to do that. Is. Yeah, exactly. And also, the more likely you are to have an incident where you're saying, uh, hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Don, let's let's talk really quickly about the transition you made from uh, the the pavement to the rocks, from you know SCCA racing um, stuff like that to to really the off road world of of motorsports. How, how did that transition come to be, come to be? Well, it really came to be moving from uh, the metropolis of Los Angeles, uh, Los LA, Southern California metropolis area, to the mountains in Big Bear, which we did twenty years ago, and. Um, I had done a little bit of off-roading at that point, but it was very casual. We got up here and started exploring and then uh, ended up buying a, a four, well, we had a four by four, bought another more capable vehicle. And one thing led to another. I met a couple of people that were really into it, including the guy that owned the tour company, did on the tour company in Big Bear and just fell in love with it. And um, I was still racing. Uh, I did that up until about 2008, so about 10 or 11 years ago. But, um, that's when I started getting serious about that. And I thought, you know, it's really a pain having to hustle rides or find sponsors. This is more fun. I'm just going to kind of keep doing this. I never really quit racing, but I wasn't pursuing it anymore. And now I won't say I don't care less about doing it, but I find the beauty of off-roading combined with some driving challenges, especially when you get into more extreme rock hauling, is just such a great mixture of, of uh, experience when you're out on the trails it's it's really a lot of fun well sure i mean you've got uh you know scenery going by at three miles an hour versus uh, <laughs> 203 miles per hour it's uh, certainly a lot easier to look at uh when, you know at those kind of speeds but um but no i mean that's very interesting i it, it had to have been a little bit of a bittersweet situation uh kind of not necessarily turning your head or turning your back but you know, really not pursuing the the race industry as much as you were. I mean, I would imagine you had sponsors and stuff at the time, or or you know that would that had something to say about that, didn't they? Uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> it was one of those things that that uh, as as things ended, I just didn't pursue renewing them or going after additional funding for that kind of thing. Uh, and ironically, some of the companies that I was involved with. I'm still involved with it. I've had relationships for a long time. Curry Enterprises is probably the most notable. Uh, back when I, especially when I was racing stock cars, we used to use Curry uh, axle, not four nine-inch axles and gears and stuff. And um, I knew Ray and John Curry's dad way back. I've had a relationship with that company for a long time. And then 
uh, I've also had a long relationship ever since they've been in the United States with Ibox Springs, who's now in the Jeep market as well. They're not real big in the Jeep market, but uh, ironically, they're in the same same city, Corona, California, as a lot of other 4x4 companies, including Curry and uh, uh, AFE and a bunch of companies are in that area. So. So let's talk about about the first uh, the the first off road vehicle. You said you would uh, when you moved to Big Bear uh, or moved to California, um, you had a four wheel drive vehicle, but uh, you bought a more capable one. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. What'd you have and what'd you move into? Well, we we had a, a Ford Expedition and not a very capable vehicle, but you know we just kind of explored some of the roads here, and pretty soon <clears throat> I got exposed to a lot more interesting trails and. Um, we purchased a, a Nissan Xterra off-road, which I ended up getting a lot of modifications on. And there are limitations to that. You really can't get over a 33-inch tire. And, uh, but we had skid plates and, and uh, a winch bumper and a tire carrier rear bumper. And uh, it was pretty nice, but it wasn't really – I could make it on a trail like the John Bull, but it would really beat the vehicle up. So it wasn't really worth doing that. But it was far more capable than the Expedition was and much more maneuverable. Uh, so that was great fun, and that kind of led into doing a lot of stuff in the, the uh, off-road industry. We actually ended up doing a local cable TV show on Big Bear, and that led to kind of what you guys are doing, some contacts and doing some tire testing. And we ended up doing some media events, which kind of launched the school. But I'd been instructing, uh, actually going back to 1970 is when I started my career as an instructor working for the Bondurant School back way back when it was at the Ontario Motor Speedway which is long since gone. But um, so I've really been instructing most of my adult life uh, between racing and now off-roading. So uh, then a few years ago, um, realistically, there's only one off-road vehicle to, to have if you really want to be serious about this, and that's a Jeep. So ever since, you know, the last uh, 10 years, we've been wheeling with Jeeps and uh, actually maybe a little longer than that. So... So, Don, uh, that's, that's an interesting statement, about, and one we certainly agree with uh, <laughs> about off-roading with Jeeps. But I, so. <laughs> I was just curious, what was your, uh, what's your feeling about the, the JL and uh, the JT? How, how are they measuring up as far as uh, keeping that uh, Jeepiness alive? You know, it, it's really interesting. Um, I think the JL is an excellent vehicle. They have some issues to work out with electronics. Uh, we got to drive one right after they were uh, first introduced here in Big Bear. In fact, they with some Jeep engineers and marketing guys that were tagging along on a, another event that we were doing. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Uh, and they, <clears throat> there were at least three different times on the trail that they had to shut the engine off and kind of go through all this routine to, to recycle the computer because it was causing issues with, with staying in four low. And some of the electronics, um, the good news about the JL is that they've, especially on the Rubicon, they've kept the lockers uh, as mechanical. They're electrically operated, but they're still mechanical lockers, uh, unlike what a lot of other vehicles have done, which is using the, uh, the computer and the anti-lock brakes to control wheel spin, which I, I really don't like. Uh, it's just, not as good as having having a mechanical way to lock the lock the wheels. So that was a big thing. That the, the uh, Gladiator 
I think there's going to be a, a game changer in the uh, overlanding market. Yeah. It's, very, it's, it's the most capable of the, of the vehicles that will be used for overlanding, and that's mostly uh, Toyota Tacomas and the, uh, the Chevy Colorado ZR2, especially the Bison edition that AEV is, is building. Mm-hmm. Uh, very capable vehicles, but they're limited by independent front suspension. Interestingly, I just saw uh, yesterday... Motor Trend did a comparison test between the, the Gladiator and the, the Bison and the, uh, the Tacoma TRD off-road equipped pickup. And they actually liked the, the Chevy the best. But one of the things that was really interesting to me was the biggest complaint other than price about the Gladiator was how rough it rode over the hoop doos on the Mojave Trail here in California, which isn't very far away from Big Bear. And, yeah, there's a lot of hoop doos on there. The, the two independent front suspension vehicles handle that better without airing down tires. They didn't air down tires, which with a solid front axle, air down tires make a huge difference in yeah. the ride quality. If they'd done that, I think they would have had a very different impression. Although they loved the vehicle, the only complaint they really had about it was that and the price. You know, I guess that's one of the standard things you hear about these days is how smooth the ride is. I have never in my life ever thought... You know, I want a rugged off-road uh, four-wheel drive vehicle, and I want it to ride really smooth. <laughs> it's just, it's just yeah, the, yeah. Those two things really just never have gone together in my head. And I, I, I guess if you're writing an article about it, and, and maybe that's what people uh, really want out there, but I don't care. It's a four-wheel drive. Just If I can go anywhere I want, uh, as long as my teeth stay in my head, I'm okay. Exactly. And if, if you really want a smooth ride in the desert over hoopty doos you need uh, a full-blown 18 to 24-inch travel racing, off-road racing pickup that's designed for desert racing. You right. can go 80 or 90 or 100 miles an hour, and then you have a pretty smooth ride. But um, Well, there's always a hovercraft. Totally you know. crazy. <laughs> you just yeah. get a hovercraft, yeah. man. Just, if you want a smooth ride over the desert, just get a hovercraft. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So um, I, I, I don't want you to t- talk out of turn if you've, if you've heard something, but uh, if you have, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, I think everybody's interested in a two-door uh, model Jeep truck. You haven't heard anything about any, that coming around, have you? I have not, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. They're, Jeep has taken a long time to turn the Wrangler into a, a, a real pickup truck. And I wouldn't be surprised that when people start saying, hey, we'd really like a two-door with a little bit bigger bed and maybe truncate it a little bit at the back so we have a, yes. have a better departure angle. There you go. I think that would be a huge winner. Oh, I think it would be a beautiful thing, too. Uh, it would be much uh, much more similar to the, the Brute, uh, the, the TJ uh, variant that AEV came out with. I was a little disappointed to see that they stopped selling those kits. It makes sense. Yeah. But I was still a little disappointed because it's always nice to have that uh, have that option you know, in your uh, back pocket. Pardon the pun. So uh, let's let's switch gears a bit. We uh, we definitely want to talk about your Jeep school, uh, so people can know, uh, you know if they go out there and buy something that then they want to learn how to how to drive it. How they can contact you and uh, find out more about how, what their capability of their Jeep is. Well, that's a you nailed it about finding out what the capability is because most people are blown away. Um, I had a, a, an old racing friend of mine who does a, um, a radio talk show, and they're also doing a YouTube channel now. Um, we come up a couple of weeks ago with a couple of his people, including, if you've ever heard of the Celine Mustang, 
Uh, Molly Celine is, is Steve's daughter. She raced all over most of her life, uh, and she was the one I was referring to a little while ago about kind of uh, I won't say freaking out, but just getting scared <laughs> at three miles an hour. And uh, my wife is always kidding me about Mister Speed Demon having fun at three miles an hour. And she made a comment to Molly at dinner the night before. So we're on the John Bull Trail up on a big rock, and she makes it through it, and she's kind of starting to hyperventilate a little bit, and she calms down, and she said, uh, wow, now I understand what your wife meant about that, <laughs> going three miles an hour and, and uh, having it be a real big challenge. And that's what people don't, they were blown away at the capabilities of a, of a Jeep. And most people are, um, we put people through our, our basic class, and we've got some hill climbs and descents, a little bit of rock climbing, just we have a half-mile course, it has a little bit of everything, and then we move on to other other things. But the first time we go up a, a hill that's 25 degrees, people say it's not even possible to drive up that, and they realize that it's actually really pretty easy in a in a Wrangler, uh, and that is a game changer for people because they realize a whole new world is opening up to them, and they don't really have a concept of how big that world can be. Well, I don't know how how uh, how big the uh, uh, natural environment emergencies are in California, but down here in Texas, we have occasions to have uh, floods, uh, a lot of tropical moisture that causes floods, and I think that people, especially folks with have that have uh, four wheel drive jeeps, even if they're not a hardcore rock crawler or even people that like to go into the mud, you know that's not their thing. I think learning how to use your Jeep for an emergency situation to keep you out of harm's way is very important. And I think it's a shame that you have such a capable capable vehicle and you don't know what it can do. So uh, I oh, would yeah. I would love if I wish your class was here because I would love to, to, to be able to take it here in Texas uh, and other Texans to be able to do the same thing. Uh, I mean, we, we spoke a little bit about how uh, I'm a bit of a speed demon in my younger years, so I have a tendency just to, you know, uh, press the pedal and go. But <laughs> there's a lot of people that are, are timid uh, when uh, faced with the, the, the possibility of water or maybe even down trees or, or telephone poles that they're, they're, uh, they need that experience to know what they can get over and what they can actually do without getting stuck on it. Definitely. And unfortunately, and I'm sure this is the case everywhere, We'll get somebody that just bought a, uh, a Wrangler, JL or J, now JLs, but JKs also. Mm-hmm. And they've never been off-roading, and they haven't been told by the salesman or somebody at the dealership how to even use four-wheel drive. And I, we could always read the owner's manual, but that's kind of a, a big assumption for a, for a lot of people. But to not be shown the simple controls that, that the vehicle they just spent forty or fifty thousand dollars purchasing. It's really wrong. Uh, so we spend time going through all of the basics. And if somebody only wants to find out the capabilities, so they kind of have an idea, we have a, about a, a three-and-a-half or four-hour course, at our, our basic off-roading course. Um, and we do that course one-on. We do all of our courses one-on-one, uh, primarily because we have such a different level of vehicle modification and skill levels and experience levels that it just makes sense. Uh, if we have group classes, somebody is being shortchanged, and either not finding out what their vehicle is capable of, or they're being pushed too far than what their vehicle is actually capable of. So, one-on-one classes really have worked out great for us and for our customers. And we have classes starting at, at 299 for our, our basic class. 
and uh, I'll take a Jeep out, lead them around, and then ride with them. And, uh, we'll go through. We'll stop at different places and go through different exercises. So they really understand what their vehicle is capable of and how to handle it. And as you guys know, a, a lot of the things you learn about driving off-road are not intuitive, they're counterintuitive. And uh, like dropping off a drop-off, especially if it's one tire at a time, everybody wants to steer kind of uphill, and the downhill tire then becomes a fulcrum, and it can help cause the vehicle at least feel like it's going to tip over, if not tip over. Right. Or if you're steering downhill, that tire is now stabilizing the vehicle and keeping that from happening. But that's counterintuitive. Almost everybody wants to, it feels better to steer uphill than it does downhill, even on a side slope. But um, you know, you were totally right when you were talking about the emergency situations. We have that here with, with fires and earthquakes. Uh, we've been evacuated, and that's always a, a risk when there's fires this time of year. And now it's pretty much all year long we have a fire risk. And the last time, when we first moved up here, we were evacuated for a few days because two of the three roads that go up into Big Bear highways were closed. There was only one route in and out of Big Bear. They had a mandatory evacuation. We know 10 of the roads we can take where there's no traffic, and they're not difficult roads, but if you have a, if you have a Jeep, you're not going to have any problem being out of, being out of Dodge if, if you need to. So um, now you, your classes are there in California. Where exactly do you hold these classes? In Big Bear. Uh, our classes are uh, ranging from, from the, the basic class that I talked about to an all-day class. And we can, the nice thing about doing one-on-one -on -one classes is that we can totally customize them. Now, we have a training course that's about, about a 15-minute drive to the trailhead that goes out to our training area, and that's about a half-hour drive on some pretty scenic, nice, but easy roads. And that's a great warm-up for people to get comfortable with being in four-wheel drive and just getting a feel for what it's like to drive in the dirt. And we always have radio communication, so if people have questions or need something, they can, they can be on the radio as we're driving. When we get out to our training area, we go through a few more basics, and then we drive around the, around the course. Uh, but we also, if we have a lot of snow up here in the wintertime, we'll go down into an area called Cougar Buttes, which has a huge variety of, of trail difficulty. It's actually Cougar Buttes you've probably heard of if you follow the King of the Hammers race. Uh, the last couple of years, they've actually been using parts of Cougar Butte on, uh, on, the, on the main uh, 4400 class race uh, because there's some great rock rolling sections there. Well, it's actually part of the, the Johnson Valley Open OHV area. So, uh, uh, Big Bear, California, and, uh, of course, the, uh, the website. Uh, tell people the website. Yeah, it's jeep4x4school.com. So, you just head over there, and then I would assume the, if, you, if you wanted to book a class, uh, that would be the first place to go. And uh, do you do it online, yeah. by phone, uh, all of the above? Uh, online is, is by far the best way. Uh, there's there's a link on uh, on all of the pages that if you uh, if you have questions or you, or you want to uh, book a class, uh, you can email us and then we'll get right back to you with some options. Uh, and then I, we could have bookings online, but we pretty much offer people uh, give us three or four dates that work for you, and we'll see if we can accommodate one of those dates. So if it's a weekend, a weekday. It, it works out for people, whatever their schedule might be that way. 
how's your availability and does it vary with time of year? It does a little bit. Uh, things are a little bit busier this time of year, but but usually uh, most people want to try to do something within two or three weeks, and we can almost always accommodate that. Uh, we're actually busier this time of year doing uh, corporate events. Uh, talked earlier uh, before we started the show about uh, a Next Entire event that we're doing. Uh, we do a lot of dealer training and some media events for Next Entire with their new Rodian MTX. And um, we also did all of the initial tire testing. We did comparison testing for them about two years ago. And we've been running on that tire for the last year, and it's a very capable tire. Uh, some interesting things about the construction of that tire could be a topic for a, another show even. But um, that keeps us a little more busy during the week this time of year. But um, weekends are, are at least one day every weekend is usually available. The downside of weekends, if we're going to do something more difficult, if somebody wants to do it, like Diamond Trail, like John Bull or Gold Mountain, as an example, uh, the trails are way more crowded, so it, it just takes a lot longer. To right. Get through yeah. So uh, that, that's another thing here, too. I, I would assume that uh, not only open for individual training, but also, too, for uh, corporate-type uh, things like you're already doing. So you can do either one of those things. So if we've got some uh, some, some people uh, working for a corporation that would like to reach out and uh, get uh, Don involved in uh, in something that you're doing. Uh, uh, Don, I would assume you're up for that as well. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, a good friend of mine owns a, a company called the Big Bear Jeep Experience, and it's kind of a unique business model. Um, he rents Jeeps, but he also sends out either himself or one of his, one of his tour guides uh, with people to guide them on different trails. And most rental companies don't really want you going on Black Diamond Trails. No. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and Desi's Jeeps, uh, and he's got, got uh, Curry Rock Jock 60 axles, on 37-inch necks and tires, oh, wow. uh, Raceline Feedlock wheels. So he's got some really nice equipment and pretty durable. And they'll take you out on the trails we just talked about, Gold Mountain, and, and our most famous trail is John Bull Trail. And, um, you know, you kind of have to progress up to that, but you can do it. And we're working, actually working on doing a uh, team building program using his Jeeps and, and bringing people in from a company that he and I basically work together on to put together uh, a customized team building program. And that really would include uh, creating some scenarios where people actually have to work together to solve some problems like exactly. getting unstuck yeah. or they could get unstuck. Uh, here are your tools, and, and uh, here's how to use them. That's a, to put you in that situation and see how you do it. That's a wonderful idea. You know, with so many Jeeps being out there on the roads, you know people are looking at that and going, man, what's going on with this Jeep stuff, and, and why are they waving at each other? Is it some sort of uh, some <laughs> sort of special handshake and stuff? So I'm sure there's a lot of people that are curious about it and poo-poo it, and they're, you know, I'm not going to spend $40,000 or $50,000 to, to figure out what's going on. This is a great thing, and it, it, like you say, a great team-building thing. I mean, that really makes uh, uh, paintball outings uh, sound sucky, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I me. mean, te- teaching people how to, you know, use the vehicle and drive off-road is one thing, but, you know, there's the whole recovery aspect of it as well. I mean, knowing how to, how to you know, uh, navigate a trail is one thing, but getting yourself out of trouble, I think, is the whole other side of the coin. Do you guys do any sort of training as far as recovery or, or anything like that goes? We do. We do. Um, 
I do all of the training. In fact, something interesting, our, we're in the San Bernardino National Forest, and we have a huge adopted trail program here. Uh, right now, we've got over 50 clubs that participate in the program. And the last few years, we've averaged around 20,000 volunteer man hours a year wow. doing trail maintenance in this forest. And it's a huge, huge program. It's, it's the biggest and probably the premier program in the country. Uh, I'm on the, the leadership team for that program. And uh, the Forest Service, uh, they've had a lot of safety issue regulation changes. And I'm actually putting together a winching certification program for them, for our adopted trail members, and probably even for some of their employees. Uh, and it isn't winching a vehicle. It's basically winching a tree out of the way or moving rocks using a winch mm-hmm. so that people know how to do that and they don't hurt themselves and they minimize damage to their equipment because they're not going to get reimbursed if they break something. <laughs> so it's really something helpful to them. So, uh, yeah, we do that. And if uh, I've had a lot, of, a lot of students who will come back after they've gone through a class and say, I really want to learn how to use my winch. Can we do a one-on-one winching class, which we do? Well, we also do winching classes for our, our adopted trail clubs. Man, you know, you're living the dream. That's all I can say with, yeah, <laughs> with all this stuff that you're doing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it gets very repetitive, but just getting out there on the trail and doing all that stuff and working with these people. And it sounds like the, uh, a lot of people are very interested in what you're trying to teach them. So uh, that's, a, that's a great feather in your hat. Well, Don, uh, I'm sorry we've gone a little long, but it's hard not to with so much great information really? uh, that you <laughs> – that you provide us. Uh, we're going to have to have you back on a lot sooner uh, this next time so we can uh, continue the conversation. Yeah, it's my, it's my pleasure. And, you know, the, the fun thing about, about doing the class, every time I, I, I work with somebody, I learn something. So it's beneficial, not just getting paid to do it. It's really beneficial as part of the learning experience. And it's great fun. And you meet some great people. And that's part of the one-on-one experience that makes that much more fun. And I've had some very interesting uh, People come through classes, including a, a, a female sommelier who works for a, a very high-end restaurant in Beverly Hills, and is now a writer for a, a, a wine magazine. So you know, you get some really fascinating people. I've had uh, scientists from JPL uh, who are involved in, in uh, uh, space launches and different things like that. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, can I get you to say uh, UFO reverse engineering, and I'm going to edit that in to what, you, what he was doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just edit out the part about space launches, and it's a UFO reverse engineering, and we'll we'll start a whole buzz yeah, here yeah. on the internet. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, Don, thank you so much for being with us. Don't forget, guys, just go over to Jeep 4x4, that's 4x4school.com. And, uh, you know, if you go out there and uh, get a lesson from Don, uh, uh, call in, contact us, let us know. I mean, uh, it, this, it sounds like it just be, would be a blast, and we'd lo- love to hear about it. Don, thanks again for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you, and I, I appreciate your time. Hey, big thanks again to Don Alexander for taking the time to come on the show and, and talk about the Jeep 4x4 School, of course, and his performance upgrade book for the JK and the JKU and the upcoming release that later this fall for the YJ. Going to be looking forward to that. Two great books. You definitely can find those uh, available on Amazon. We're, we'll, of course, have the links available for the, for at least the JKU one. Uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the YJ one is not quite out yet. But, hey, if you have an idea for a guest or if you work in the off-road industry, we want to hear from you. Maybe you know somebody who works in the off-road industry yourself, or maybe you yourself would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. We'd love to have you. Everybody's got a Jeep story to tell, and we want to hear yours. 
just head over to our website. Go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. Who knows? Very well, could be you. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, now that Tammy's wheeling all over the Northeast, I figured I'd do a little uh, commercial to help promote her brand this Sunday, 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 but mostly Saturday. Come wheel with Tammy, (laughs) a.k.a. Jeep Mama. Witness the one shackle wonder live in action. Learn words that'll make a sailor blush. Kids 12 and under will have your Legos stolen. Face painting, funnel cakes, clowns. Yeah, there'll be none of that. We'll sell you the whole seat. And you're going to need it. Because sitting is more preferable to standing. All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat to you later. You have a good one. Sunday, Bye. Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> but mostly Saturday. But mostly Saturday. <laughs> oh, the one shackle wonder. Oh, God. <laughs> Why? Why did I never come up with that? <laughs> no, we, no, seriously, seriously. Her Jeep needs a tramp stamp of the one shackle wonder in cursive. I, I'm sorry. I, I think it's mandatory. It's just, it's it's too good not to have on her Jeep. So I don't know. We're going to have to make something happen <laughs> so, with that. That one shackle wonder. Yeah, that oh is my good. God, that so, is gold. So you probably didn't see the post on Facebook that she made uh, this last wheeling trip. Uh, she had lost some of the uh, screws from her uh, license plate. Uh, she was missing like two two of the four screws out of there. And I went, those bastards, they're stealing your Jeep one thing at a time. <laughs> you must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. And this week we've got something that's uh, well been around for quite a while, but it's just one of those things that is so good and it's tried and true that it, we've got to bring this up every so often and add this to the must-have list. These things are the original Quick Fist Clamps. And if you don't know about the Quick, quick Fist Clamps, uh, chances are you've seen them and you just don't know what they are or what they're called. These are the best solution for mounting tools and equipment to your Jeep. It mounts easily to keep shovels, axes, hoses, and and other tools or implements securely in place. Uh, this set in particular holds objects one inch in diameter to two and a quarter inches in diameter, or 25 to 57 millimeters in diameter. And each clamp supports around 25 pounds of force, or 11 kilos. A pair of them obviously would support 50 pounds. Uh, they're not affected by hot or cold climates or rain or snow. They're UV resistant as they're made out of heavy duty transportation grade rubber, meaning these things are never going to wear out or break. And, uh, well, like I said, they're very handy for mounting just about anything, whether it be an axe or a shovel or you can even uh, mount up your high lift jack using a a pair of these things. Uh, They mount up very easily to either the side of your Jeep, uh, the inside panels, or even your roof rack or bumper, uh, any number of places where you can mount these and secure them. uh, Very easy to use. And for less than $8, that's that's right, 8 bucks for a pair of these things, less than 8 bucks. Um, it, it's almost a must-have. I mean, it is a must-have. So, now that you must have a set of quick fist for yourself, we'll make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 392. I'm sure that I've seen these things in pictures, but I never oh. knew what they were called. And is I, that right? I really? Have, this is completely new to me as far as the, the the thing that it's called, and it's like a whole new world has opened up to me, Josh. How do you how do these things clamp onto something? I mean, I know they clamp how they would clamp onto. I can look at it and tell how it would clamp onto like a shovel and stuff. But how do you hook it to your to your Jeep? 
So they mount with a single number 10 bolt or screw, depending uh, on, on how you want to do that. So that's the grade of hardware that you're going to, or number, not grade, it's the size. Number right. 10 um, is, is the size of hardware you're going to use to mount these. And well, I mean, really, uh, a, a good uh, number 10 bolt, um, you know, through the side of your uh, roof rack or something like that. And you can really reef on these things. Uh, and it's, 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 they're, they're not going anywhere. Could have used this for my light bar. It supports 50 pounds. <laughs> that damn Tammy not showed up again. What the hell is going on with her? Well, at least you'll be able to hear me coming up the trail now. <laughs> now, what I mean by that is um, developing a little bit of an exhaust leak, which I am very pissed off about uh, yeah. because uh, this is basically a brand new header. Um, for all intents and purposes, newer motor mounts, uh, and this should not be happening. Um, so at first I thought, oh God, am I hearing piston slap? Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Uh, but no, as I, I kind of dived into the problem a little bit further, it, it's definitely an exhaust leak and it's coming from way up high, which is leading me to believe that I might even have a manifold, uh, uh gasket leak. Right. So, uh, yeah. It, it it doesn't sound like it's like a crack coming from um like where the where two pipes come together or something like that. This is very very close to the motor and very up high by the intake and exhaust manifold. So uh, as much as I don't want to effing do it, I've got to go in there and tear everything apart, pull the damn intake manifold and exhaust manifold off, and uh, and take a look at that gasket, replace the gasket, put everything back together. Give the, the 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 header a good once over. Make sure that's not cracked or anything like that. I, I do have one possible theory that I, I've already more or less kind of shot down, but it, it might be down at the collector where you know that that lead donut goes, where right. you, you know the downpipe and the header kind of come together at. That's uh, mine is is a custom downpipe. I, I had the factory restriction uh, taken out by by having a, um, a custom downpipe made, and um, I think they put it a little close. You know, the bend is a little tight, um, and so there's the donut doesn't sit. I mean, it doesn't sit quite right um, inside that recess, inside that flange, and it, and it, it's kind of kicked to one side. Now it's sealed for the most part, as much as I can tell. I mean, I I put one of those of gloves on, and you know, welding gloves and stuff, and and I I kind of put my hand around that, and the sound didn't change at uh, at all. So I I don't think the leak is coming from is coming from that area. So like I said, it's it's coming from a pie. Got to have a whole bunch of labor to take everything oh, off yeah. and and find out what's going on there. But yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just I'm pissed off because this shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I agree. as much work as I've done recently, this shouldn't be happening. So I'm um, and that's a Felpro gasket. I mean, that's you know for all intents and purposes, you know, reliable company for gaskets. You check to make sure the bolts are still tight, right? Yeah, and I did. I, I went through there and and even though it's a pain in the butt to you know get on those those <laughs> middle lower bolts, yeah, I, I got I got a um, whether it was a socket or um, a uh, ratcheting wrench on every one of those bolts and and just double checked. I had one that was maybe an eighth of a turn, a little bit loose. I mean, you don't really put a whole lot of force on no. those things. I mean, it's like. 16 foot pounds or something 30 foot pounds of torque i mean there's not a lot there uh for for those bolts you don't want to smash that um um uh that that that, that gasket right so uh, maybe that's what it was maybe i over torqued a bolt or two and just over time that gasket was smashed and it, it kind of just 
you know, worked it worked its way loose a little it, bit. It's uh, so hard I to hear know. where the where the exhaust uh, leak is coming from. So, well, especially on on a, some, on an engine like the four uh, the four liter inline six, and and one that's had a fair amount of modifications done to it. Nonetheless, right. there's just so much noise. Yeah. It's a loud motor. I mean, it's it a tractor is. motor for all intents and purposes. So, yeah, there's a lot of noise. You're right. It's hard to to pinpoint where that noise is coming from. I've I've narrowed it down to the the top end of the motor. It's up high. It's not down low. So that's why I'm I'm fairly certain it's it's not a lower exhaust leak like uh, down at the collector or something like that. It's you, something did up you high. Use like a, a hose and uh, in the ear and move the hose around to try to identify where the uh, sound actually, was. Uh, or? I uh, I want, you you think that I would own this tool, but I don't. Um, a stethoscope. Um, I've always just used a, a long screwdriver, but uh, a buddy of mine I was talking to, at work uh, to, and, and he's like, hey, I, I actually have a stethoscope in my trunk. Do you want to borrow it? I'll let you, you know, have it for a couple of weeks and, and um, you know, it might help you out, you know, narrow down the problem. And, and at that point in time, I think I was still leaning towards piston slap. But right. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to poke around this weekend a little bit um, and, and see if I can't. I've got a long weekend. Uh, I've got uh for the holiday, I've got the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. So four days to four days to wrench. Yay! <laughs> Three days to goof off, and the fourth day to hurry up and yeah. get it done before work <laughs> next day. So uh, I went through. We had a uh, what what would be called here in Texas a gully washer, a frog strangler, uh, a duck a duck choker, a duck choker. No, that's something. How else. many inches? Uh, that's kind of personal. Um, but it was a lot of water <laughs> on going going to work and. I was watching these cars and stuff, and they're freaking out about, you know, maybe a foot of water. Maybe it was less than that, seven or eight inches. And I'm going like, get the hell out of the way. I got Jeep stuff to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all fine and good until I was going to go home, and I hear this very loud exhaust noise. Uh-oh. Uh, well, I say very loud. It's not like it was open, but it, it was, you know, definitely a leak. And then uh, on, on, on acceleration, it actually sounds like uh, air whooshing. So... <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, is this coming I from too, your Jeep? Oh yeah. Uh, I too will be having to look at my uh, my Jeep, and I'm, I'm hoping that the the two long bolts that hold the clamp together and that little uh, metallic O ring that uh, seals the two things. I'm yeah, hoping man. that that just the force of the water and stuff just happened to because I hit that water pretty hard. That maybe it just uh, uh, it was a little loose and it side cocked it or something. So I'm hoping I can t- uh, tighten that up and it'll take care of it. But uh, I I really suspect that uh, the uh, the the new header has uh, has yet cracked again. And and I'll remind you, I have the Brown Dog motor mounts and have had the Brown Dog motor mounts for a long time. So, Maybe it's just guys like you and me aren't willing to fork out like eight hundred dollars for the you know the the Borla headers I'm, or the. You I'm know. scared to do that. I'm I'm afraid. Me too. Eight hundred dollars, and then a year and a half later. Uh huh. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I'd love if somebody would actually say. No, this fixes the issue. I wouldn't mind, you know, I'd, I'd spend an extra day or two collecting aluminum cans along the side of the road and get one of those nice headers, but I, I just I just can't I can't justify the expense. Uh, me either, especially for for how prone of a problem this yes. is on the 4 liter inline 6 engine. So, um well, yeah, but buddy not- of mine thinks it is water uh hitting that hitting that header that uh, causes the cracks. You know, I was wondering that same thing too. Um, hot exhaust, uh, cold water. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I, I don't 
think that that would cause that sort of a problem. Probably doesn't help. It certainly <laughs> doesn't help. They took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Fractures the metal, and then uh, it leads to the and the bending and stuff from the uh, the torqueiness of the engine. And uh, you know, I still have the. I don't. I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this or not. I still have the replacement uh, header that I got for the the crack that I thought I had on this one. Uh, mm-hmm. Six, six, eight months ago. So yeah. I have a brand new header out there, and actually changing the header ain't that bad. It's just like three of those lower bolts are such really? a pain in the ass to get the 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 socket on. And uh, but this last time I did it, I found that uh, and everybody goes is probably going no duh. You remove the air box, and it's a lot easier to get to. <laughs> Yeah, how about that? <laughs> now, for me, I've got a battery and an ECU yeah. right there, so it's it's a little bit different story for me. Um, a little bit more labor there involved for me is you know I got I got a few things going on in that area, but uh, but you know at this point, I mean I've done it a dozen times if if I've done it once, and uh, yeah. and I, I mean I can do it in my sleep. I know exactly the order of operations but who wants like to i know do exactly what tools what size of socket which extension i mean the, everything so it's it's just a matter of getting out there and doing it and and i know i'm, I'm making a big deal about this and, and a lot it's of people who are you know it, it is it's just a pain I, I would much rather be up in the hills enjoying the jeep uh or going out shooting or you know just uh, hitting some country roads or something like that than having to spend a, a hot you know uh afternoon weekend uh, sitting there wrenching on the jeep and you know so for a problem that i shouldn't be having to deal get with. it ready get it ready get it ready uh now let's get it ready again so getting ready yeah. to get ready yeah so um you know uh, uh, speaking of stuff uh doing stuff with the jeep uh you were talking about uh uh hood uh glare and this kind of ties into the the light bar I built because I'm concerned with this light bar uh, that it's going to have a lot of hood glare. And, of course, it, it should with as much light as this thing is putting out. Um, I'm, I'm actually considering uh, doing something that I had thought about doing on the, the more traditional rectangular light bar, which is put a, a little metal thing underneath it uh, and, and kind of have to figure out how far it needs to come forward so that it actually blocks the light from shining on the hood. I mean, what I'll have to do on this is, if I do something like this, it will be, uh, have to be underneath each one of the uh, round LEDs, uh, each uh, one of the eight LEDs that I have. And I don't know how far it has to stick out. Um, <laughs> I'm going to propose another option. Okay. Um, Turn them off. Uh, well, no. <laughs> just, just paint the lower half black. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Th- there's a company out there called uh, by the name of Lund. I don't know if they still make these or not, but I know you can get them on um, on eBay for under a hundred dollars, and they're basically a windshield visor. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. It's 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 a fiberglass or a, or an ABS plastic um, a visor. It's a molded visor that kind of goes on the front of the Jeep, um, follows the roof line, and, kinda, and kind of extends. Kind of see like it a, like on the Ford trucks that have the little uh, running lights above on the on yeah, the, you know that, like that type that, of thing. Think of, it like visor, a, like yeah. a, think of it like a bill of a hat for the top of yes, your Jeep, almost, yeah. you know, something like that. Maybe that might be an option for you um, that, that looks a little bit more like it belongs instead of a you know, flat piece of metal sticking out from the bottom of the light. I, was actually, I don't know. I was actually thinking kind of a curvy thing where it just kind of, kind of curves out uh, ah. in front of the light and, you know, and then uh, would, uh, would bolt to the, uh, the light bar itself. Uh, but we'll see how it works out. I don't, you know, I don't use the light bar that much. It's just, it's there for emergency situations or uh, assholes, 
and uh fortunately the emergency situations aren't, aren't very many and uh and assholes are plenty <laughs> well <laughs> well i you know i generally get in my lane and drive to work and i i don't generally have problems with people so it works out fine now those that uh that <laughs> don't like my headlights i guess and and uh, slow down and uh, come in behind me and turn on their brights those people i like lighten up it's like oh yeah but wait there's more you didn't come prepared i came prepared so you're getting ready to have the lumens you're getting ready to see your future through light (laughs) no seriously though you um you posted up a picture and and it's pretty much a dead nuts head-on shot of your light bar lit um lit uh lit up and and the the I can tell you're you're pretty much dead center because the 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 center two lights are brighter than than the outer lights and and it's just I mean it's like looking into the a picture of the sun I mean it's just so bright and you're not even done yet I mean you're you oh, said you had that, that wasn't up full to, power that was you know maybe thirty right. percent yeah and so that's why I'm like I I can't I, I can't I just can't <laughs> I I can't even right now so no that's I'm. I am blown away one um, just by the output that you already have, uh, uh, but two, um, I mean, it just it looks amazing. It really does, really I'm, change the look of your Jeep, Tony. I'm really happy with the way it turned out. Um, you know, you you want to make things yourself, and and obviously, I didn't make the lights. I bought those, but making the light bar it, that it went on to, and have have this idea in your head, and have it work out, and it worked out very very well. It's a, a very slick. Uh, design and, and it's not something that, that that's radically different than anything else that's out there, but it's something that I built, uh, and that just gives me a great feeling. And I think it's you know um, not trying to uh, rag on anybody, but I think that's the the built not bought slogan where that comes from. The the feeling you get whenever you've uh, repaired something or built something or uh, done something to your Jeep that uh, somebody might might purchase uh, to to do or even have somebody else do it for them there's that um that feeling of uh, com- uh completing something to, to that that you just you know that you just don't get otherwise well, i mean it's you, fun driving them of course but it's it's also fun knowing how they go together you got inspiration from a, a well-known manufacturer who has a, a a product somewhat similar um on the market for uh, i don't know what is it eight hundred dollars or something 18. like that Good Lord. Yeah, $1,800. So, and really, I mean, I, me personally, way too rich for my blood. And, and that probably goes for the same for most of the majority of people who are listening to this. We're all, not going to spend 1800 bucks, <laughs> bucks on a light bar for F's sake. Um, it's but, great. Uh, no, I mean, if you can afford it or if you can do a review and get, get it for free, of course, it's great. <laughs> more power to you. But you took that little bit of inspiration from a picture online. And designed an actual product that you put on your Jeep that you made yourself. Yes, there's going to be a absolutely impacted assload of pride that comes with that. <laughs> well, it's just great uh, having it turn out, and it's great hearing having all the the, the great comments about it. Uh, I I think one of the best comments was is that somebody said that's a really nice uh, light bar. And that might be something I would be interested in buying. I mean, for hey somebody, now. for somebody, to, it's it's kind of like the people downloading this show. For somebody to take their time to download this 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 nonsense that we do, it's it's like wow, it's just amazing. That, and to have somebody say that's really nice, that might be something I'd be interested in buying. I mean, that's that to me, that's really special. That says something. I mean, it says something one about you know your design, but two, the quality of the build. Yeah, well, 
if uh, quality and weight are one uh, one to one, I certainly have accomplished a very quality build because that thing is heavy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, any uh, any other uh, thoughts about um, uh, swapping out those those brackets for uh, ones that are a little bit thicker, or adding uh, adding some um, some gussets or something to kind of stiffen things up? Or are you, you still having some vibrations going on? No vibrations uh, that I can tell. It's you know the light bar is up higher now, so it's harder to see. And, um, uh, I've, I've pulled on that thing, like, especially when I was working on wiring up the other four lights, uh, yesterday, uh, I've, I used that the bracket to help pull myself up and I would like thicker brackets. Uh, I'm just going to wait and see. These things seem to be doing very, very well Oh, all right. for $17. They seem to be doing very well. And I don't mean just for the price. Uh, I'm just really surprised because they're they're really inexpensive. And and if you remember when the light brackets first came out on the market, they were like almost as expensive as the light bars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You which wanted was an eight pillar mount for your for your you know forty eight or fifty two inch light bar. You were going to pay just about as much. Yeah. So just in case, I was eyeballing a plasma cutter so I could make my own. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, come on. Uh, talk about you you have an eighteen hundred dollar purchase. Uh. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. It's it's only I, I saved all this money. And I spent it. Um, that and more on a plasma gutter so I can make new cl- uh, new brackets myself. No, sure. but uh, yeah, I mean, these, I think I told you, these things are uh, one eighth inch uh, thick, and I definitely would like to have uh, like the three sixteenths that you mentioned. There that you would go. be, yeah. that I would feel a little better about that, but I'm just going to run it and see. I don't think anything's uh, bad's going to happen, and uh, I've got yeah. tools with me. I can uh, pull that uh, pull that bar off really quick, throw it in the back, and uh, uh, look at where the design failure was. There you go. Yep, yep. So uh, the uh, the long arms are still sitting there in the doorway. I uh, I'm kind of hoping to get to it this week. Um, did you get the belly pan on? Weren't you talking about getting the belly pan on first and then kind of going from there? I did absolutely nothing today. So oh. yesterday I worked on the lights, and today I was going to get out there and hook up the uh, as I told you the the light volume control so I can adjust the the amount of light that's uh, basically how how t- how much time the the LED is on to. Uh, uh, how long it's off because it just Normal. it just flashes them on and right. off really fast. Holy crap! I'm blind and yeah. he's gone full plaid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ludicrous speed. Seriously, yeah. Seriously though, if when I just had the four lights hooked up, uh, I was looking at it, and when I turned it all the way up, I had to turn my head away. It's just, and I wasn't right in front of it. It was to the side. It was just too bright to look at. It hurt your eyes. Jeez, man, you're gonna get a ticket. <laughs> you're gonna get a ticket. Well, I I'm told you it right now. <laughs> I told you about that push button. The 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 little uh, potentiometer kind of, uh, I guess, because it was new or something. It kind of yeah. had a, a spot in it or something that it would uh, it would flash to full power. And of course, I got my uh, my my brain going, and I went, you know what? I could short out this uh, this resistor across here with a switch, and just you know, for the for just the 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 photo shot, you know, where the flash goes uh-huh. off on the camera. And just, you know, because it's dead. And I mean, suddenly everybody within a you know, quarter mile thinks the transformer <laughs> just blew. <laughs> I, I, I hit the switch, you know, to turn it on. And I've already got the volume down on and it. And next thing I knew, it was Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> next thing I know, I came to a full stop. No, and then just tap that, you know, somebody's pulled in front of me or they need to move their ass out of the way. And I just, just tap that button really quick. And if there's any cops out there, they go, what was that? Where'd that come from? Was I wonder, wonder if there was that Jeep over there. But middle I, of the day. I, I'm going yeah, to wait for him to do it again. You know, these things are very visible during the day. Uh, yeah, they are they very are. visible. So, oh, well, that was the other thing I was going to say. So that picture that I took, I, 
I could see in the camera that as I moved across there, each one of the lights got brighter as I was moving in front of it. That's because there's mm-hmm. spots. So I got there in the middle with those two that were very bright because I was right there in front of them. So these things yeah. are going to be nice, spot, bright. Yeah, very excited about it. And I know, is it <laughs> what use is, is extremely bright lights on a Jeep? If you need them, then you need them. But what's the odds of that happening? So this is just fun. It's just fun to do. I like the way the round uh, lights look on my Jeep. And uh, I am actually thinking about pulling the four off the off the bumper and replacing it with something that um, is uh, not as bright, something like a, a running light. <gasps> Say it isn't so. Well, my uh, my daughter has a Jeep, and she was wanting to do a, a light bar, and I could pull the four lights that I have off of there, and she could use them on her uh, light bar. There you go. So it's not like I'm going to... Uh, well, and you already have of, you already have a, a working design that you can uh, build from. So, no, I was just going to let her get. It's a Wrangler, so I was just going to let her get uh, uh, you know the full A pillar ones that are nice. Gotcha. And then you yeah, can yeah, just yeah. put it right there at the top. It'd be the easiest thing to do. I've spent a lot of time working on this. I'm ready to do some of the things, which is in, including getting that uh, uh, hydraulic oil cooler uh, in plumbed into my uh, 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 not radiator core. What's the heater core? Heater core. The yeah. heater heater core circuit to see if I can. Uh, drive this thing during the summer uh further than 50 miles yeah that's a one experiment that i am i'm very anxious to hear the results on so uh you hurry up already well i think i'm going to focus on that the the long arms aren't uh, are going to require uh you know I, i've got to get the thing welded on there and i don't have a welder so i have mm-hmm. to make arrangements to get that welded on but i do believe i can get the uh, the belly pan on there myself if the atlas uh doesn't uh, uh touch the uh the belly pan uh, Andy seems to think that it should be fine, but uh, I need to, to need to test that. But anyway, I'm going to work on uh, getting it running cooler, and uh, I'll, I'll have plenty of time to get the uh, the long arms on there. But I am curious, uh, just really, you know, you got it, you want to see it on there, you want to drive it, you want to feel uh, what it oh, feels yeah. like, uh, you want to find a, a RTI ramp uh, someplace or <laughs> <laughs> loading dock, <laughs> loading uh, dock, exactly, <laughs> Prius, whatever. <laughs> Well, how about you joining in on the campfire side chat? We'd sure love to have you pull up a chair and crack an adult beverage and uh, crack wise with us. Uh, go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Now let's get to some events from around the world and maybe even in your neck of the woods. Don't forget to let us know about an event that you have planned or are planning or are volunteering with. Uh, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Click and fill out our wheeling wear form. Uh, we've been getting a lot of those coming in over the over the last couple of weeks, so um, I've got some events that we'll be uh, talking about here in the upcoming weeks from those that we've gotten here recently. Uh, coming up here very soon, July 13th through the 14th, we have the Four Wheel Parts Truck and Jeep Fest. This is a big show. This is kind of a big deal. Uh, so if you are in the Denver, Colorado area, you definitely want to go check this out. Happening August 4th, a little bit later next month, we have Quadratech presenting their Jeeps in Java monthly meet and greet. Uh, this is happening at the Quadratech headquarters in Westchester, Westchester, Pennsylvania. Uh, if you want more information on uh, or more events and links and pictures and all that good stuff, we'll visit the JeepTalkShow.com website for this episode, and we'll have stuff that you can click on. That's it for the show this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to show your support for the show by posting about us on your social media feed. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Manifold burritos. This was for dinner. Oh. Podcasting since 2010.